if you would, please. The Lord. Glad I know the name of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. And, I, and I'm, this might sound selfish, but I want to ask you to just pray for me here before I preach that the Lord would direct us here. Heavenly Father, one more time we pray, talk to you and ask for your grace and help. God, that your word would impact us, that this word, oh God, would not just be letters and sentences on a page, but it would, Lord, it would come alive in us and God, it would be manifest in us and plant the seed in our lives, I pray God. Minister, Lord, speak, I ask. God, we want you to get the glory and you to get the praise this morning. Have your way, Lord, in the remainder part of this service. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Matthew chapter 27, if you'll open your Bibles with me. I'm going to begin at verse number 16. Matthew chapter 27, I'm going to read several verses here from this account. This is right before Jesus um, is to go to the cross some of the event, part of the events that led up to this time. It's good to see every one of you here today. Amen. Thank you to our musicians and singers. Appreciate you today. Matthew chapter 27, verse number 16. Scripture reads, And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priest and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas, get this, and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whither of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. The governor said, Why, what evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person, see ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be upon us, be on us, and on our children. Isn't that something how somebody could make the decision and affect their, their children that way? Verse 26, then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Amen. The same account from the book of John says this. I'm just going to read one verse from John 18, 40. It says, then cried they all again, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. I want to preach this morning for just a few minutes Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Amen. Will you help me preach this morning? 
help me preach. God bless you. You may be seated. I would, I would contend this morning that the worst case of social injustice that has ever happened took place about 2,000 years ago whenever Jesus was crucified. It was prior to the day of cell phones and surveillance cameras, so it wasn't caught on video and then spread all over the Internet for the world to see. But it was the unjust murder of a man other than the one that's been in the news the last few days or any of the several that have been in the news the last several days and the news cycles. His name was not Ahmad and his name was not George. His name was Jesus. And he was falsely accused and arrested and he was convicted and ultimately executed for crimes he didn't commit. After his arrest, he was severely beaten. In fact, he was beaten to the point that he was almost unrecognizable. His enemies, they spit upon him. They disrespected him. They tore his clothes off of him. And they openly taunted him. And yet, with spikes in his hands and his feet, struggling even to breathe in that moment, he was able to whisper. He, he tried to, 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 to speak it out loud, but he whispered, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then he died. His murder was actually predicted uh, hundreds of years before it ever took place. One man said that he was like a lamb that was led to the slaughter. That's what they said. Another had predicted that his hands would be pierced and his side also, and they were right. The truth of the matter is, is that in, in a way, what we read about here in the scripture and what you know the story of, in a way that it possibly could have all been prevented. The, the whole debacle that was the trial there that took place in the Scripture, it might have been avoided if maybe the right man had spoken up or if the right person had come to the front or if the mentality of the mob had not seemed to, to sway the whole event and just a lot of ifs. And, and honestly, it's puzzling to read this account in the Scripture. It's puzzling to me, because Jesus was a man who did miracles. I mean, he healed people. He healed all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. He raised people from the dead. He cast out evil spirits from individuals. He was even praised as he, as he came down the streets of the city of Jerusalem and People were praising him and waving palm branches and they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And now just a short time later, the whole tone and the whole sentiment of the, of the city and of the groups of people, it changed. And just a short amount of time, everything seemed to flip. And their shouts of praise quickly turned into death chants. Crucify him. Crucify Him. How does that happen? How does, how does things change so quickly? How does a man like Jesus in the Scripture, who has the favor of the people, so quickly lose that favor to the point that they're willing to take His life? A good man who did so much good was murdered. It's hard for me to understand. 
especially when, when you think about it, it possibly could have been prevented. It could have turned out differently. But the people made their choice. They said, give us Barabbas. That was their choice. And you think, you read that story, Barabbas? This is the part that doesn't make sense. Barabbas? Huh? Seriously? The thief? The robber? The murderer? You're you're choosing Barabbas over Jesus? It's said there in that text that we read, the 17th verse, that when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? Verse 21, the governor, meaning Pilate, the governor answered and said unto them, Whither of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate was actually hoping that they would release Jesus. According to Acts 3.13, Pilate was actually, he desired that they would let Jesus go. But when it came to choosing between a vile robber and a murderer, versus a moral teacher and a healer, you would think that common sense would have been their guide, wouldn't you? You would think that common sense would prevail, but but where did it go? Where did the common sense in that situation go? They chose a criminal over a king. Doesn't make sense. Verse 22, Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They say unto him, let him be crucified. The governor said, why, what evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, let him be crucified. See, the Jews made their choice. When they were presented with the choice of Jesus or Barabbas, they chose Barabbas. Peter later preached at Pentecost. It was about 50 days later. The Jews had come back to Jerusalem. The crucifixion took took place at the time of Passover, but 50 days later at Pentecost, when the Jews had come back to Jerusalem, Peter stands up at Pentecost and he preaches to that group that was gathered in the city. And he said in Acts 3.14, But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. It's hard to fathom, isn't it? Hard to understand. Why would anybody, why would anybody choose him over Jesus? What would prompt a group to reject the one that had actually come to be their Savior? There's so much there. There's so much to think about, so much to consider in this account, in this story of the crucifixion of Jesus. But let me get right to the point and and tell us today and let you know that we are living in a time when the chants and the voices are growing louder and they're getting stronger. Let's get rid of Jesus. 
the cries are getting ever so slightly louder every day. Destroy Jesus. We don't want His influence around here. We don't want His influence in our life. And louder and louder the voices are beginning to dominate. Let's get rid of Jesus. I don't know if you know it or not, but we're in a cultural war right now. We are in a war for our culture. You say, preacher, that's hyperbole. You're exaggerating. You're fabricating. No, I'm not. We are in the middle of a cultural war right here in our country. And more and more people are saying, crucify him. And we're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to make a choice. I'm going to have to make a choice. Is it going to be Jesus or is it going to be Barabbas? The tide of the culture, I can already see the, the direction the culture is going. And if we have eyes on the culture right now, we know the direction of our times. We know where it's headed. And the volume of the voices are, are louder and louder. Louder, They're saying, give us Barabbas. And we have to make that choice. And sad to say, common sense is being thrown out the window. Am I preaching the truth? Common sense. Common sense, Jesus or Barabbas? Why? Why would anybody choose anything other than Jesus? And yet so many people are set today and they're following the course of direction to get rid of Jesus out of their life. Many people today are opting to quiet the voice of the Redeemer and the King And instead, they are picking and they are choosing the way of sin. It ought to be a no-brainer. There ought to be no question about it. Which direction do I go? There there should be no question about it. Do I follow the Lord or do I follow Barabbas? But yet, the tide is determining the choices of a lot of people today. That's what's happening. And the same choice that these people made In Matthew chapter 27, looms before us right now. Who are we going to choose? Are we going to choose Barabbas? Are we really going to go that direction? Are we really going to make that choice? Or are we going to choose Jesus? Are we going to choose the criminal? Are we going to choose the king? Are we going to pick sin and selfishness and rebellion and pride? Or are we going to follow after righteousness and sacrifice and humility? Here's what I hear. I hear John the Apostle saying, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You know what John is saying? You know what John is saying? He's saying, Choose eternity. Choose Jesus Christ. Choose that which doesn't pass away. Don't follow after things that are, that are temporal and eternal or carnal. The Apostle Paul said it well. He said, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And he took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
And so I say today, choose to follow Jesus. Choose to be like the Lord. Because you hear me this morning. When a person denies Jesus Christ, they have chosen Barabbas. When they deny the Lord, when they squelch the voice of Jesus, they are in effect saying, I want Barabbas. That means that Barabbas has been released in their life. That means Jesus has been crucified. That means Jesus has been put back on the cross. And Jesus doesn't need to go back on the cross. Jesus doesn't need to go back on the cross. He already died there once for all of our sins. But there are people today that continue to make the wrong choice. They continue to deny Him. They continue to reject Him. And each time they do, whether they realize it or not, every time we reject the Lord, it's like we're putting Him back on the cross and making Him pay for a price, pay a price that He has already paid. So what, what are you talking about, Pastor? What are you talking about, Preacher? I don't understand what you're saying. Let me, let me tell you something here this, this morning, that the cross is not just a historical symbol. The cross is not just a story in this book that we read from. Because there is sin that is still around, the cross still has relevance in the year 2020. And when we willingly choose sin, He goes back on the cross. Can I say that again? When we willingly choose sin, He goes back on the cross. You say, I don't understand, Pastor. I don't know what you're saying. Let me me read a very sobering and important scripture here to you from Hebrews chapter 6. Look what Hebrews 6 and 4 says. I want you to catch this. I don't want you to fade off here. I want you to pay close attention. It says that it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. And you need to see this part, this last part of this sixth verse. Seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to an open shame. The rejection of Jesus Christ the diminishing of His influence in our life. It's called apostasy. It's denying Him. Sometimes we use the word backsliding. And when people willingly walk away, when people continue to walk down that road, they're putting Him back on the cross. And as it says in that verse, they crucify to themselves the Son of God all over again. Afresh, they put Him to an open shame. What that means is that when you and I, we make a choice to go the path of sin, we are making a mockery of the sacrifice of Calvary. The cross is not just a historical symbol, or it's not just something that people put on display, but it has contemporary meaning to every one of us when we choose Barabbas. When we willingly backslide, we make a mockery of Jesus Christ and the cross. 
when we purposefully choose sin over the sacrifice of Calvary, we are driving the nails in His hands and we are putting Him to an open shame. But I believe this morning, there are some people here today in this sanctuary that are saying, don't give me Barabbas, but give me Jesus. I believe there's some people here today that are saying, I want Jesus. I, there's no way I could sing the song they sang at North American Youth Congress. I, there's no way I could do it justice that says, hey, 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 I, 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 I. <laughs> Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus, the one who broke these chains and took away my shame. Here, He's the only one for me. I want Jesus, my friend. I want to live for Jesus. I don't want to deny Him. I don't want to put Him to an open shame. I want to live for the Lord. I want to live for God. Hey, you're looking at a preacher that's not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I believe it is the power of God unto salvation. You know what Jesus said? He said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. When I come back in glory, I won't even know you. So you can make your choice. You and I, we can make our decision right now. Are we going to be ashamed of the Lord in this life? And if we make that choice, we follow Barabbas. When he comes back, he's going to pass us by. But if we know the Lord, if we say, give me Jesus, he is our hope. He is our joy. I love it. I love it in the New Testament church when they begin to be persecuted and when they begin to be pressured. See what happens to a lot of people the first time people start to feel resistance in their walk and their relationship with God. They just walk, they just, they just kind of withdraw into this little hole and they kind of hide out and they say, oh, I can't take a stand. I don't want to be persecuted. I don't want to be afflicted. But I love what happened in the New Testament church when the persecution began to rise and when the, the pressure, the, the pushback began to, uh, began to grow against this early church and they arrested Peter and John. They put him in prison when it finally came time for them to get out of prison. Peter and John, it says, in Acts 5.41, it says they came out of that jail rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. Nothing's going to hinder me. Nothing's going to silence me. Shout it out if you believe. I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed. Come on, folks. We need to get rid of this thing called fear. You need to get rid of this thing called intimidation. And you need to stop worrying about what everybody thinks about you. And you need to take a stand and live for God in this generation. You need to stop letting the crowd sway you and cause you to believe things and go the wrong direction. But take a stand and say, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to live for Jesus. I don't care what the crowd does. I don't care what they say. I'm living for Jesus. And the last thing that I want to happen to me, and the last thing that I want to happen to any one of us, is for us to fall victim to the mentality of the mob. To the point to where we become a victim or a, where we become guilty by association. I don't want to be swayed this morning by just a few loud voices out there that are inciting people to go the wrong direction. You know what I'm talking about here? 
There's just some loud voices out there that are saying, get rid of Jesus. You don't need that influence. You don't need to live for God. You don't need that consecration. You don't need that level of commitment. You don't need to make those, those, those commitments of righteousness in your life. And they're swaying people. Too many people are listening to the wrong voices right now. Their voices are saying, you don't need Jesus. Get rid of Jesus. He's only going to cause you problems and disruptions and, and frustrations in your life. There's, there's some crazy things happening right now in our world. There's, forgive me for using this word, but there's some stupid stuff going on right now. It's incredible what's happening. And talking to Jimmy before church, we were talking about what's going on in Seattle. Y'all know what y'all heard what's going on in Seattle? I guess it's still going on today. There's a, there's a section right in the middle of the city of Seattle, six or seven blocks that they have sectioned off, and this group of, of anarchists, this group of, of people, they have, they have said, we don't want the police, we don't want any, we don't want any government in here, and it's just, it's just crazy because they've set up their own government, and they've got their own guns and all that stuff. It, I'm, I'm not trying to get sidetracked here, but it's just it's crazy what's happening in our world. They call it CHAZ, C-H-A-Z, Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. And... And right is called wrong, and wrong is called right. It's what Isaiah said, truth is fallen in the streets. Literally, that's what's happening out there. Literally, truth has fallen in the streets. And there, this, this mob mentality that these people are, are caught up in because they're listening to the wrong voices. I'm not talking specifically this morning about all that garbage that's going on but I'm talking about your soul and I'm talking about your, who you're going to live for and who you're going to follow after, whether it's going to be Jesus Christ or you're going to choose Barabbas. And instead of listening to the voices around us today, we, need to, we would be a lot better off listening to the voice of Jesus Christ. Because I'm telling you today that the mob is saying, give us Barabbas. Let us live our lives. Let us go the direction. Let us have our sin. Let us go without any restrictions. But we're saying, give me Jesus. I need Jesus. How many people are willing to say, I'm going to take a stand for Jesus? Is there anybody here that said, I'm going to live for Jesus? I don't care what kind of persecution I have to suffer. I don't care what kind of resistance I have to push back against. I'm going to live for the Lord. And I'm going to tell you today, that's the kind of resolve that every one of us need. Is there, is there still a group of people, and I believe there are, is there still people that are willing to withstand the flow of worldliness in our generation? I believe, I believe there's, some, there's some people that are like Moses here today. I believe there's some people like Moses who, who the Bible says that Moses, when he got old enough or when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Do you know the level of that decision that he made? And it says in verse 25 of Hebrews 11, choosing rather to suffer affliction. I think we need some people with some backbone right now. Instead of cowering to the sin of our generation. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. 
Oh, come on, preacher. Who are you to restrict my freedom? You're not free when you go live in sin. You are more bound than you have ever been. Verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. I just feel like today there's some Moseses who said, I don't mind dealing with a little bit of affliction. I don't mind dealing with a little bit of pressure because I know the reward of living for Jesus Christ is greater than the pleasures of sin for a short season in this whole world. I believe there's a Joshua generation that's rising up and some families and some homes that are still believing and still saying, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what comes. I'm going to live for God. I just happen to believe there are some people that still believe that we are not to be conformed to this world, but that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Praise God. So the question that that Pilate asked, that crowd that day, we could ask ourselves today, what are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Him? What will we do? What, what do you want me to do with Jesus, which is called Christ? You get to choose. I'm going to do my best to point you to Jesus Christ, but it's your choice. I can't make anybody live for God. The public sentiment, it's, it's, it's moving right now. It's growing. It's this, this anti-Christian, anti-God sentiment. There you go again, preacher. You're just a right, right-wing preacher nut. Whatever you want to say. But I'm going to tell you something. The swell, it's growing. We don't need him. It's growing. We don't need Jesus. We don't need him in our, in our homes. We don't need him in our schools. We certainly don't need him on our jobs. And that mindset is expanding. And whereas it might have used to just been a passive thing, that attitude has grown more antagonistic. It's grown more aggressive. More and more, they're saying, we want Barabbas. I read a Pew Research report from a few years ago. And it says, the, per- the percentage of Americans who describe themselves as religiously affiliated has shrunk, while the percentage describing themselves as unaffiliated has grown. The percentage who say they are absolutely certain God exists, it fell from 63% to 71. Listen, this is this is actually from time.com. Listen to this. This new vigorous secularism has catapulted mockery of Christianity and other forms of religious traditionalism into the mainstream and set a new low for what counts as civil criticism of people's most cherished beliefs. In some precincts, the faith of our fathers is controversial as never before. Some of the faithful have paid unexpected prices for their beliefs lately. The teacher in New Jersey suspended for giving a student a Bible. The football coach in Washington placed on leave for saying a prayer on the field at the end of a game. 
the fire chief in Atlanta fired for self-publishing a book defending Christian moral teaching. The marine court-martialed for pasting a Bible verse above her desk. And other examples of the new intolerance. Anti-Christian activists hurl smears like bigot and hater at Americans who hold traditional beliefs about marriage and accuse anti-abortion Christians of waging a war on women. That's, that's the flow of our culture. You know that? You know that's the direction of our times? Are you aware of what's happening in our, in our generation that you and I are? I'm not talking about the 50s or the 60s. I'm talking about the generation that we're a part of. You say, I don't believe you, preacher. I don't, I don't think, I don't, I think you're twisting, I think you're taking statistics and, and trying to make a case. You don't believe me? Go back and read just about two or three weeks ago what the Supreme Court did. Their decision against Bishop Hodges from San Diego and the churches that he represented when they were trying to uh, have church, when they were trying to come back together for the Supreme Court, who was supposed to have been a, a conservative court. The Supreme Court ruled against him five to four, if I remember correctly said, you can't have church. That's our day. That's the generation that we live in. I'm trying to, I'm trying to clue, clue us in here today of what's happening in our times. You say, I, I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't. I'll give you one more. Go back and read what happened to a church in Birmingham, Alabama this week. Go back and read what happened to that pastor. A mega church, big church, thousands of people. They lost their lease in their building because of some things that that preacher liked on Twitter or something like that. That's happening right now. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to recognize the uptick and the anti-Christian sentiment of our day. And I'm not trying to be negative here this morning, but it's not going to get better. You hear me today. It's not going to get better. It's just going to continue to escalate. It's going to continue to get worse. This is why it's important that you make your decision right now. That you know where you stand. Am I going to, am I going to follow Jesus Christ? Or am I going to follow Barabbas? Because everything that can be shaken, it's shaken right now. Everything that can be shaken, it's moving around. Where are you going to stand? Who are you going to live for? Are you going to live for God? Or are you just going to follow the, the, the tone and the, the mob mentality? It says, I don't need God. I don't need righteousness. I don't need holiness. Are you just going to follow that mob mentality that, that's going to dictate who and what you believe in? Is that the direction? I just happen to believe that there's some people here today that says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve we're going to serve the Lord. We are going to live for God. Praise the Lord. Give me, give me Jesus. But, 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 but pastor, it's, it's hard. It might get difficult. Give me Jesus. Because that's a lot more important than what this old world has to offer. Is there anybody left that's not afraid to be a worshiper? Is there anybody left that's not afraid to be a person of prayer, that's willing to take a stand? Is there anybody left that says, I'm going to take a stand for Jesus Christ? Is there anybody that's still not, that's not afraid of what the people around them are going to say? 
that, that if you're not like them, if you don't look like them or talk like them, is there anybody who's not afraid to take a stand, who shout to shout His name, to worship His name? Praise the Lord. We're in a fight this morning. We're fighting the good fight. The good fight of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're going to worship the Lord with me, if you're going to stand for Jesus, let's give, it, let's give the Lord a shout of praise. Let's give the Lord a little bit of honor this morning. Let's acknowledge who He is, Lord. I magnify You, and I'm going to live for You, Jesus. I'm going to walk with You, Lord. I'm not going to get caught up in my times. I'm not going to worry about what other people say. But I'm going to live for You, and I'm going to worship You. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, new life. Now is our time. Now is our time to shine. Now is the time for the church to rise and be the church. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not going to follow the world. I'm not going to go the way, the direction of the, of the masses. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what I'm praying right now. I'll tell you what I'm praying right now. I'm praying that this, this, this wave of, of worldliness and this wave of, 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 of anti-Christian thought, I'm praying that there's a, another huge tidal wave of God's presence and God's power and His Spirit just comes back and washes all that away. I'm praying for revival. I'm praying for a move of God. I'm praying that people will be rededicated and re recommitted to the Lord. I'm praying that people will make fresh decisions and fresh commitments and consecrations to the Lord. That's what I'm praying. I'm praying our families get on fire for God. I'm praying our church has revival. I'm praying our young people are stirred. I'm praying our children are baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm praying great things happen. I'm praying that the Lord pours out His Spirit. And it won't happen if we're passive. It won't happen if we just sit back. But you're going to have to make up your mind. I'm not afraid to worship God. you got to make up your mind. I'm not afraid to shout the name of Jesus. you got to make up your mind. I'm going to live for God my whole life. I don't care what comes. I don't care what comes against me. But I'm going to live for God. And I've got the promise this morning. That the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. I've got the promise today that greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. So I'm going to make the right choice today. I'm going to make the right choice. I'm going to live for the Lord. What about you, my friend? What about you? Where's your decision rest today? Who are you going to live for? Who are you going to walk with? Who are you going to give your life to? Praise the Lord. I'm going to invite us to come around this altar this morning as a church to begin to make our way. Just step out as families and individuals. Come on, church. Let's get around this altar and let's begin to pray and to worship the Lord for a few minutes here because we need some rededication and we need some renewed commitments and we need some families on fire for God and we need some young.